again and welcome to another episode of I Am The Night, the weekly podcast where we break down episodes of the classic legendary Batman the Animated Series. Episode 6 is called The Underdwellers and it's a bit of a departure. With me, as always, is Adam. Good evening. Hello again, welcome back. It's a pleasure to be here talking about a well-said, a very unique episode of this show, one with a very different tone compared to some of the previous installments. I was very curious to hear your takes on something that you wanted to point out before we even got started. It was something very specific when you watched it for the first time back in the day. Yeah, this is an episode I remember because I fell in love with the show very quickly, as you know. And when we had intros with Man Bat, then Joker, then Scarecrow and Poison Ivy, I thought this is like going to be like a who's who of every major Batman villain. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, came the Underdwellers. And I remember the first time I saw it thinking, well, what is this? And not liking it very much. But then when I saw a rerun or a repeat of the show a few years later, thinking, well, actually, this is brilliant. And I'm watching it for the third time with you. I actually rate this as a really strong episode because it doesn't have a major well-known villain. And because, again, it's a way in for new viewers, particularly children, for obvious reasons. See now, my big takeaway from this episode is that it is deeply, not to say that it's against a child audience, but I would say that this is a very, not strong, but obtuse episode that I wouldn't necessarily welcome in a child audience. The overall tone of it, other than it being dark and depicting like a, almost like a child workforce, it's also very atmospheric yeah. and very thoughtful and very slow that... We talked about this when we first started this project, how much of it would still apply to a, a, a younger audience today. I feel that they would be able to get some of the early episodes with the, uh, the daring supervillains doing great acts of injustice that only Batman can swoop in and save the day. Someone thoughtful and something as quiet and thoughtful as this episode, I'm not so sure, but not to take away from this episode, of course. But No, I see your point completely. It is, in fact, you're right, it's a very grown-up episode, but... If anyone started from the beginning, by now I think they'd be hooked. Mm. And then coming from a totally different corner with this episode could cement a viewership. I, I, I don't know, because I honestly think that on third watching, it's, it's great. Um, from little jokes like the baby alligators being flushed down the toilet and growing up into giant alligators in the sewers from that old urban myth to actually seeing the villain the sewer king who is a nasty piece of work and he may not be one of the major players in batman's rose gallery but i cannot stand him i hate him and batman's reaction is quite telling because there's rage and fury there this is this is a batman who's really scary I think it's because it's ultimately because Batman remembers where he came from. He came from a young boy denied any semblance of innocence when the worst thing that ever happened to him happened in front of him. So seeing something similar, something traumatic happening to lots of children that couldn't be much older than he was when his parents were killed in Crime Alley, that's something I think he's worked a lot towards. And it's not something that really gets to explore with Batman. He's 
working in such a way so as to try and protect the overall innocence of Gotham because his innocence was destroyed by Gotham. Which is why it was so interesting that the episode started with those two teenagers on the top of the train. Absolutely. And what a completely great way of, of bringing you in with two idiotic teenagers surfing the train. and it, It's the other things like we've said for the last five or six weeks that those trains, a couple of them look like super futuristic 23rd century and others look totally 1940s um, locomotives. And that whole way of drawing and designing Gotham, there's moments where it's Anton First's hell spewed out of the sewers and kept on growing on Earth from the first two Batman movies, mixed with Art Deco from the Empire State Building, mixed with Gothic, mixed with... It's just brilliant. Even in that, even in this episode just gone, that we just watched, we see those hyper-futuristic yeah. trains with the pylons over the top, like a tram yeah. or a light rail, but in the very same episode when Batman's chasing... The one boy down the alleyway, it's, you see those the police car with the big white wall tires and the big wells like in the 1950s. It's, it's, it's so important that the show stays with the timeless look so that it appeals to Batman across time. Absolutely. And I'm watching it now. Some would argue that it's aged, but it's aged in a way that still keeps it timeless. I... I'm really enjoying rewatching these a lot more than I even thought I would. I mean, I knew I'd like them. Right. This is one of my favourite TV shows ever, but I'm amazed at how much more I'm liking them with the benefit of hindsight and as a much more mature viewer. Are you finding it a lot different to when you first saw some of these? I'll admit, when I first saw them, I was much, much younger and appreciated them as uh, hero super heroics. I honestly really don't remember much of them. So myself going into them... I'm watching them as pieces of storytelling, little vignettes of a character yes. I know really well, and they are very well... They're so concise. So as stories about Batman, they're so well-rounded and really satisfying. They're little satisfying little nuggets, little injections of bat goodness. It's why I think it still holds up compared to the classic comics as the greatest Batman media that's still out there. Are you not astounded as well by how much they put into 20 minutes. Like I said, every story has got a strong intro, brilliant middle, and a perfect ending. It's like storybook storytelling. They're really, really well made. It's because they're structured very well. They very clearly introduce from within the first few minutes to keep attention and to keep understanding what is going on and why Batman is in this particular situation. Then we get to the real struggles of him trying to solve the mystery, which is always the focus of the show. Yes. And like so much on the Batman media, he solves a mystery, he unravels a puzzle, he finds where people are hiding or where people are being taken to. Then we get a clear confrontation of why this is going wrong with a clear figure and then there's a resolution, but open to some. It's can get away with a lot of really strong moments as long as you keep to a very clear thing of how a story should flow and they do it so well because you honestly get lost in specifically this episode you get really lost in the moment in the middle where we feel for the boy that Batman yeah. re-kidnaps if that's a term <laughs> yes 
but in a much nicer way. In a much nicer way. And we feel Alfred's struggle because he's like, oh, I don't know anything about children. Oh. Which, is, which is a barefaced lie, but we're going to push past that. And we see him struggle with a boisterous but quiet little boy mm-hmm. handling just antics across Wayne Manor. But it's really nice to see that this is something we should care about. And the dude in the big red cloak shouting his crazy doctrines of whatever can't be trusted it's i'm so glad you brought up the whole alfred thing because yes he can be the uh pain in batman's backside but honestly truly that one line i don't know anything about children like it's a barefaced lie but i honestly think that alfred believes it maybe because partly of how bruce and um we know robin's part of this how dick turned out but the way he is with this kid I love to imagine that's exactly how he was with Bruce. And when Batman says, I wonder if that I was that much trouble, I just put a smile on my face because I can imagine, especially once he started training himself, Bruce being even more of a struggle than the little street urchin. And, oh God, I love Alfred. Oh, yeah, Alfred is a, a real treasure. He's real treasure. magic, isn't he? He's just great. And it's... Just as much the wit and wisdom, but the real genuine affection, even for this kid he's just met, and you can feel it, and he does everything he can. And his outlook and the way he he acts as a complete contrast to Bruce's rage, and justified rage, Hmm. is a lovely, lovely contrast. I feel like that's why this team is so successful, the two of them in this cave, because we get the hammers of justice striking mm-hmm. down evil and misdeeds everywhere just to make sure that Gotham sleeps another safer night. But Alfred is the moral compass. Yeah. He is the reason why, and he keeps the rage quelled enough so that he doesn't fly off the handle, because he, he even says it to the sewer king that he would he would consider leaving you on out in front of the train tracks as you said when the episode was rolling mm. he wouldn't because he his death would have meant nothing he'd have got away with not suffering for the way that all those little boys and girls suffered on his lash and isn't that just so brilliantly Batman that he states clearly that he's not judge jury and execution he, he, he'll he leave the sewer king's fate to the courts but for one moment he's sorely tempted and, and so would I be because as you said he lost his innocence he was a child that lost his childhood and this man for want of a better term um, was doing it under the pretense that he was doing them some good that he was their benefactor he fed them he clothed them he took them in when people rejected him but I'm sure most of those kids ran away as kids do for the slightest thing and they were denied being able to go back to their families in some cases. So, oh, it's one of those things where it's a very, very grown-up topic to be presenting in a, in a what's loosely disguised as a kids' TV cartoon. The fact that it's never explained where the kids yes. come from is what's scary because it leaves us to imagine they probably yeah. were runaway kids from their own home they were maybe orphans taken from an orphanage near Leslie Tompkins and the like um, 
uh, homeless kids who just had nothing and just uh, left the cold. Maybe he straight up took them from happy homes and then just kept them subjugated. It's really dark if you want to unfurl that, but that's for a much older audience to sort of appreciate while the younger viewer sees the deranged man in the red cloak commanding his alligators to go off and fight Batman. It does bring everyone in. This is honestly one of the lighter episodes, if you can believe it. The the episode yeah. that depicts children, uh, child yeah. labour is the lighter episode. Because kids won't actually feel that. They'll just see that these children are working and this horrible man's keeping them prisoner and Batman saves them. And I think that, hopefully that's what most people take out of it. Whereas an older viewer like you or I will see all the layers and the textures and the depth behind this story to just how depraved this villain is, feel Batman's righteous indignation, laugh at Alfred's um, haphazard attempts at keeping this this, this kid um, entertained and, and safe. But the whole thing where you see a child shying away from the light it was actually quite harrowing but then that beautiful ending and again guys hopefully this isn't spoilers you're watching the show along with us week by week and putting it on before you listen to us that ending with a child seeing the light and speaking for the first time in the whole episode and saying the light you know really lifts the whole mood again and it's brilliant storytelling uh, to quote but not name drop another piece of media outside of the world of DC that we really love um, in the world of heroics it's kind of tough to see so much dark darkness and destruction and death that a lot of these other supervillains bring but in this one instance the bad guys captured and taken away and all of the children go free for once everybody lives yes and it's this kind of heroism that I think Batman really lives for which is why I think the opening of the episode was so important because we see Batman capturing crooks, putting away supervillains, saving the world on cosmic scales either side of the Justice League. We don't see him as a deliberate lifesaver. At least I don't think we see that enough. Totally agree. We see him save people caught in the crossfire of supervillains or whatever, but him swooping down and pulling two incorrigible U's off of the top of a train is a honestly a logical grassroots thing for him to see, and it's also a nice thing for him to like get involved in this mystery when the little boy acts as a purse snatcher and runs across the road taking it away and we think it's a little leprechaun spirit. <laughs> I'm not going to quote my mind. Um, Aww, maybe the leprechaun. <laughs> okay, thank you, you did it for me. Nice. Um, he... This is as close as we ever get to getting a friendly neighbourhood Batman. Mm-hmm. Scary neighbourhood Batman. Well, he has his moments to be scary because right towards the end when we see oh, the Sewer King thinking he gets scot-free and the door blows open and you see him as just like the shapeless yes. black presence and yes. the true fear because that's the force that you had to reckon with. He moved past your traps, past the alligators, past the lines of cannon and string that he really should not have fallen for. Mm. But I'll move past that. Um, we see him in every angle and it yeah. all makes sense. It's vintage Batman. It's vintage Batman. It's vintage Batman. And I'm glad you because I made similar notes. I thought that this is one of those stories that clearly shows one of the reasons why I love this character so much, that 
he's not just there to fight the supervillains and uh, stop Gotham from be- being taken over or the latest invasion or whatever else. He's there for the little guy. He's there for the missing children. He's there for the homeless. And that whole street level crime fighting is something that I'm a lot more into than the big cosmic scale mega crisis on multitude of planets sort of thing. That's I love that too. Yeah, that stuff's fun. But when those huge grandiose problems are over. Batman will have no hesitation to come back to Absolutely. Gotham, to a dodgy corner, and wrap up any mystery and any problem of this size or even smaller, because that's just what he does. Protector of the innocent as well as hammers of justice. Absolutely. And it's interesting because we started the show saying, of course, no major villains in this, but Actually, no major characters at all. No Jim Gordon, no Harvey Bullock. Apart from Batman and Alfred, the only characters are the children. Uh, the woman whose purse gets snatched by the leprechaun. And um, the sewer king himself. And again, that's refreshing. They're refreshing not, exactly. Yeah, they're not sticking to the tried and tested tropes that they know people will, will do. They're going about telling a different story an original story and doing something different with the show and this is why this series has lasted the test of time it's not so formulaic it does throw a complete left field episode like this one at you every now and then to keep things fresh and I loved it really enjoyed it there were times when I felt like this particular episode played out part uh, vignette to Dickens' Oliver Twist, mm-hmm. but also like an opera, because there was a very long scene, which is one of the things I think a younger audience now would have a harder time to pick up on. There was such a long scene of showing the one boy moving through the sewers, finding the rest of the other children under the sewer king, moving around, showing child labour, him him injuring the other boy injuring himself. They say. And just wrapping it up and just going back to work just to show, okay, Something's they are, not they are, right, they are conditioned and not okay. Into them being led along by a bell, just like Pavlov's dog. Mm-hmm. We get that whole play out to beautiful day of the music. Yeah. And we feel like surges and swells like high theatre or opera. Absolutely. I, you don't get that in animated media anymore. You barely get that in some films, in all honesty. I mean, we've said it before, the fact that every single episode has its own score purposely orchestrated for that one. So you can feel it here. This doesn't feel like canned music that they just throw in to lift the mood here and there, that they use every single episode. Operatic was a brilliant word. The score in this episode was tremendous. Yes, it was. It It was lyrical, powerful it highlighted the action and the darkness and again the scenes with alfred at the manor with the um, kid it's not brilliant. even that the scene with alfred when uh bruce Wayne was insistent on going back out to find something yeah and he's just there ignoring everything sitting listening to something on the radio pretending yeah. he's a conductor because i imagine he did some of that in his great storied History. Well, we know he was a stage actor. We know he's a former spy. We know he's ex-SAS. And he, but, he was butler for Her Majesty. And well, at some point, I wonder if the palace will take me back. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, great stuff. 
all round. And the thing you pointed out, and honestly, you, you pointed out a few times, and I didn't really pick it up until you said it, but you're absolutely right. Even without the mask on, when he's talking to Alfred, it's in his Batman voice. And that's so telling. Um, it's the version of himself he feels the most true to. Yeah, because other actors, I think, particularly in the movies, put on the Batman voice. And I feel like when he goes from the more relaxed, darker tones to the, Hi, Bruce Wayne. That's when he's putting on the voice. And thanks for pointing that out, because honestly, I didn't. I just thought he had two different voices, but... It's more relaxed. When he's speaking to Alfred, the Batman voice, the deeper voice, is probably closer to Kevin Conroy's own, and yeah, it just works. It actually is from what I've seen of him in interviews and yeah. stuff. So, again, another little subtle, brilliant piece of acting and storytelling, because i uh, got to give credit to the writers, Tom Ruger, Jules Dennis and Richard Mueller, and the director, Frank Power, um, for this episode. Because like I said, I've now seen this at least three times and it's one of those ones that gets better on repeated viewings, I think. It's uh, one of the more singular but powerful single stories. It really tells a clear message and shows that it's, Batman serves everyone. Yeah. He wants to maintain peace. He's not just fighting against injustice. Yeah. He's not just a, a warrior. Yeah. He's a saviour. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of times that is forgotten. Um, particularly in the big budget movies where he's literally just fighting baddies. Yeah. You don't really see him going out to save the little guy. And I think episodes like The Underdwellers are important because they tell the story of Batman looking out for the little guy. Uh, important and story to remember and one I'm glad we took the time to really highlight absolutely um, right so final thoughts final comments any uh, takeaways positive or negative from the story I still really enjoy the fact that in this version of the TV show that we're watching there's at least a, presumably by now here in the early episodes we still have no clear sign on Batman's deal insofar as the rest of Gotham because one of the other speaking characters that you failed to remember uh, when he was chasing the little boy yes, down the alleyway yes. the policeman said leprechauns and bat people what's Gotham coming to? Yeah. I still keep wondering how new on the scene Batman must be mm -hmm. which is why he's still so enigmatic and who and the escapee from the Poison Ivy episode yeah. he was dumbfounded the wings the wings He's still a figure of fear that is still meeting his supervillains. It's a Batman origin, but you don't necessarily need to be married to that because we know Batman's deal, yes. but we're learn, watching Gotham learn about him with him, which is a really interesting way to tell Batman's story over a long time. And I think it's the right way to do it. Totally agree with you. We had that in, um, in Other Wings as well, where the police were still fairly confident that the creature or person committing the crimes was Batman when it was in fact Man-Bat. So the only people that have got a real relationship are Jim Gordon. So he's obviously been helping Jim fight crime for a while, but something's happened to bring Batman 
out into the public purview and some still don't trust him some still think he's an urban myth some still think of yes nonsense until they actually witness him in action and that's a really good touch because to another point you made um every single big screen appearance of batman and it's honestly even though it's the heart of his story retells that origin sequence shows Bruce in the alleyway, shows his parents being gunned down. We're six episodes into this and not a sign of it. Yes, we will see it eventually. I'm wondering if we would, personally. I, I really don't remember. Yeah, but we didn't even need to. We've seen Batman defending children for obvious reasons. And for a new viewer, that's because he's a hero. But for anyone who knows the character, we know the reasoning why. And again, brilliant. Um, it just shows deep care, love and knowledge of the character. And it shows that his origin in particular, for those who do know the character, yep. make it all the more powerful in this yes. episode because he's defending children who otherwise couldn't defend himself. And in a way I would imagine deep down he wish he was defended. Yes. And your big takeaways from The Underdwellers? Oh, most of what you've already brought up. Um, Alfred, um, love him. Batman being a figure of the night, but not against the earth-shaking threats, just being a hero for the kids to look up to, and their faces when they see him. Again, little brilliant pieces of animation, just to see a child's eyes light up at seeing Batman walking through. Because, like I said, it's been said many times over the years in the comics that Batman instills fear into the hearts of the guilty, not the innocent. Children aren't scared of him. And I don't know if you noticed that in the episode, none of the children shied away from him. The only people that are scared of him are your Professor Milo's, are your Sewer King's, are your villains, and possible old ladies who weren't expecting him to pop out when their purchase has been snatched by a leprechaun. So, um, there, that's it. It's just great, great Batman. Great Batman indeed. And it's great to catch up with him on his own little quest to try and protect the weak as opposed to dealing down injustice absolutely so that's been another episode of the underdwellers hopefully you've watched the episode and then listened along to us again as always i love speaking to you and hearing your comments so please keep those coming go on to your podcast provider of choice uh, rate us review us tell us what you think we're doing right tell us what you think we're doing wrong give us ideas of how you'd like to see the show grow um, until then this has been the sixth episode of Batman the Animated Series The Underdwellers. He's been Adam Ray. Always a pleasure to be here. I'm Steve. He is the Knight. We are the Knight. This has been the I Am the Knight podcast. Adam, tell listeners and readers of Dark Knight News and DC Comics News where they can find you online. I contribute very heavily to Dark Knight News and DC Comics News, reviewing many titles a month. I also write for our website, fantasticuniverses.com. Follow me on Twitter at is it Tinkerer I Z Z E T Tinkerer to all our American listeners somewhere out there. Uh, you can also find me most Tuesday nights on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash No Ordinary Heroes, streaming my one true love, Dungeons and Dragons. And you, sir, where do you exist on the interwebs? 
uh, L Steve on Twitter, E L underscore S T E E V O. Google search Steve J Ray to find links to everything I've done across the internet from DC Comics News and Dark Knight News. And you can hear this podcast and our sister shows, the DC Comics News podcast and the Spinner Rack. Great shows if you want to listen to everything DC News and pick up what the greatest releases are comic in the comics world of DC every week. Um, they're available on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and of course Apple Podcasts. DC Comics News and Dark Knight News you can find across the internet and every social media platform, Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, and YouTube at DKNews.com and at DC Comics News. So um, that's everything from me, but there's something that everyone needs to be doing. What is that? In a world full of... With supervillains, monsters and mystery, I think we all need to find some solace and read more comics. Do it. You'll thank us later. Thank you for listening. Take care now. Bye. Bye.